guys, welcome to the Seven Figure Box Show. This is Andrew Frezza, and I am joined by a special guest today. I have Lacey Nelson, and she came all the way from Washington State to Southeast Florida to record a podcast with me today. Welcome to the show, Lacey. Thank you, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> so today we're gonna to be talking all about leadership. Lacey is a leadership coach and someone that I got to meet a few years ago at the Iron and Mortar Summit. At that point, she was actually the one running the Iron and Mortar Summit. And um, I do want to talk a little bit about that background. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's start there. Like, tell us a little bit about just kind of the the leadership side of things, as well as the fitness side of how yeah you know we've connected. Okay. Well, the Iron and Mortar Summit was a business summit that was put together for gym owners, and there at the time, myself and my partners Brendan and Ashley, who helped we all put the summit on together. Mm-hmm. We. Um, realized there wasn't a lot in the market at that point. It was before everything really exploded as far as business coaches and it was before that had happened. And there wasn't a lot of access to good business side of running a gym knowledge. Um, It wasn't a lot of diverse voices. If there was something to attend, it was usually one perspective. And so there wasn't an opportunity to connect to multiple perspectives of how to do this well and find that style that fits with you. So we decided let's call some people and put a summit together. And uh, people said yes, and we said, wow, this is happening, and started that that summit. And why I, I saw a need for that in the market, my own background, I've been running teams and in myself have um, been employed people, been a boss, been in leadership positions for, at that point it was about 15 years and had had a lot of opportunities for professional development that I just didn't see in the fitness space. And I'm not a gym owner, never have been a gym owner, um, but have led teams in serving and working with people in different capacities and love the passion that comes with people that want to really change lives and serve and love and care for people well. And that's yeah. that common thread. Yeah, and from, from what I understand of talking to you is you were in this, you kind of worked your way into leadership in the 15 years in kind of the corporate world mm-hmm. to a certain degree, had a little uh, sidetrack for a little bit where you're doing the Iron and Mortar Summit. Yep. You were involved with Bre- Brennan and Ashley in running, uh, was it the Iron and Mortar Gym? Was that the name of it? Yep, yep. Um, I didn't own it, but yeah, you I were, helped run it. You were it. Helping, yep. helping run it. And then with COVID, you're kind of back into full-time yeah. leadership coaching, but more on your own as more of a freelancer of helping corporate people, helping some of the people in the fitness space. Yep. And now you're kind of blending both worlds yep. in, in what I would say is probably your passion, your zone of genius, which is taking the leadership side of that. Yes, absolutely. I I have actually owned Nelson Management Strategies, my company, for so we're going on six years now since I mm-hmm. founded it, and I was able to shift during COVID. Yes, I shifted back into like, well, actually for the first time, full time chasing it because I mm-hmm. started my company right uh, as my babies were. I, I took a couple years off and had my boys, and then. Um, I started when my youngest was about two and a half. I was ready to go back and wanted to go back to work on my own terms and realized leadership um, and teaching people how to be the kind of leader that's worthy of following and how to build amazing teams, high performing teams and blending those um, those two processes together 
-hmm. being a great leader as well as having the framework for solid leadership um, was really where I excelled was like breathing for me and I thought hey I can get people to pay me maybe to do this and lo and behold it worked so (laughs) that's awesome and that's what's enabling you to be on what you're doing right now which is a two-week trip in Florida yes and working well I guess you're not working that much but you are able to kind of keep things going yes because you have that freedom and flexibility yes a hundred percent yeah I I have someone still running the show back home and and doing posting and my clients are they just know I'm on vacation they're waiting for me to get back yeah (laughs) enabled us to do a workout together this morning we did some thrusters and bikes so if we're a little bit uh yeah (laughs) off track today that's why we're still recovering from that workout um so yeah i think it's cool because you have you have a higher level business perspective which i think is very rare in our industry but you're not just some outsider you have intimate knowledge you are you know a crossfitter someone who's done this style of workouts you've been on the summit side the kind of the gym ownership side even though you didn't own the gym you were on the management and running side of it things so um cool so i'm excited to talk to you before we get too far into it, how do you define leadership or a leader? And maybe it doesn't have to be a formal definition, but what, do, what comes to mind for you? Oh, excellent. A leader is, I borrow this definition from Brene Brown, so can't take credit for this <laughs> genius. But really what a leader is, is it's anyone, formal or informal, who takes responsibility for developing the, recognizing the potential in ideas and people and then having the courage to actually develop that potential and see where it goes. That's a leader. Um, And that doesn't have to be someone who has the formal title. Yeah, and that's what we really wanted to make this podcast about because a lot of people that are listening may not be in a assigned leadership position. They might not be a head coach or a gym owner. Mm -hmm. They might be just a coach. They might be someone that's just an employee somewhere that's not in the fitness industry at all. And they're saying, well, you know, maybe I don't want to be a leader, you know? So I guess when you hear something like that, like, I don't know if I want to be a leader in that sense, what do you say to that? Or what do you think about that? I think that they first of all need to have a working definition of leadership for themselves and understand what do I think a leader is? And then if they, they may be misdefining it because we have a cultural expectation, um, a lot of stereotypes around what a leader is, air yeah. quotes leader, right? We have this this expectation about what a leader is that is really based on um, misinformation, stereotyping, uh, like Wolf of Wall Street, you know, yeah. that kind of that kind of idea. Or they have to be like, you know. Uh, formal military trained that yeah. branch of leadership and really while yes those are all different ways and styles of leading there's there's not one right style of leadership so if you are someone who sees the potential in ideas or people and then you have a drive to develop that you're a leader whether you call yourself a leader or not yeah. you're impacting people's lives and if you are in a position where you want to impact lives create change in any capacity you are being watched you are people are seeing you whether it's you're formally or informally leading um, you don't get to choose it's yeah. like the celebrities who say well I'm not anybody's role model I'm like well too bad you actually are <laughs> whether you want to be or not um, you don't get that choice if you are putting exhibiting those qualities you're going to be noticed that's an interesting way to put it like everyone everyone has people looking to them to 
as an influence yep. in some capacity, whether it's your kids, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a friend, they're, they're making decisions in their own life based on actions that you're putting out there, whether it's consciously or not, they are. Yeah. And it's just a matter of scale, essentially. You know, the yeah. celebrity has potentially millions of people following that where you might only have a few, but right. that, those few are probably still important to you. Right, well, and the more intimate the relationship, the more depth and, and breadth of influence you have. Yeah, very true. Yeah. That's cool. So where, where did your specific passion for this mm. come from? <laughs> well, um, just in a, in a nutshell, my own story. I actually grew up uh, very, very poor here in America. I grew up very low income, grew up in a trailer court, and I uh, had, uh, my parents did the best they could. My dad, um, recovering drug addict, alcoholic, went into recovery when I was nine, but definitely led, um, had a really rough upbringing and didn't climb out of poverty uh, I, I mean, I lived in that trailer court till I moved out at 18 years old. And so when I left home for school, so um, what that like, where does this desire to lead come from? Like foundationally, I had people in my own life who saw that potential mm -hmm. in me that were uh, that had skills and knowledge of navigating systems. My parents were, they loved me, loved me still. I mean, they they still do. <laughs> and But they didn't know how to navigate those systems. Yeah. They didn't know how to uh, help me to have opportunities to get into school or to excel in, in um, oh, I did a lot of theater and singing and, and there wasn't a lot of the financial resources available for us either. Mm -hmm. Like I, anything I wanted that was extracurricular, I had to earn it. Like there just wasn't money there for me to take voice lessons or to go to a training or that kind of thing as a kid. Um, and so I had people, adults that saw potential in me and they, mm -hmm. they decided I'm going to invest in that kid and develop her and they weren't perfect leaders. Nobody is, nobody's perfect. <laughs> we, it's impossible, but mm -hmm. they, they tried and they really made a difference and a huge impact in my life. So it started there. And, and did you did you attach the meaning of leadership to that, or is not this now you looking back saying that, or in that moment where you're like, wow, these are like leaders. I want to be like that. It was so looking back, definitely hindsight 2020, right? When now I'm grown. As a kid, it was them telling me you're a leader, mm. and so they like spoke this into my life from telling me you have this potential and speaking like you're gonna be the first person in your family to go to college and not everyone has to go what to college. Did, what do you think they saw in you or do you think this was just them wanting to help? But I would imagine they saw something in you. Well, I mean, I, I have a lot of the stereotypical traits of leadership that, I mean, I'm, I, I have a strong sense of justice and standing up for what's right and mm -hmm. for um, always wanting to, um, if there's a strong leader in the room, I can step back and allow that person to lead and I'll follow. If there's a leadership void, I will fill it. And I've been that way from the time I, I've been very small. So that's just, yeah. but uh, I think that, that they saw that I'm the oldest of four kids, rough neighborhood, definitely was a scrapper defending my siblings. I think they saw a lot of that and were like, let's channel that energy. Cool, okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And then how did that, 
how did that seed grow to more? How did you take that into something tangible that's now valuable to, to serve others with? Oh gosh, well, like, so what I, when I started my career, I've, um, so I did work in not, not a corporate background, but a big, huge nonprofit background. So mm -hmm. like corporate level nonprofits, like United Way, Goodwill Industries, big, they run like, they run like a corporate structure. So, um, and I, board of directors, the whole nine, reporting, being responsible, all that stuff, multi-million dollar budgets. So I uh, got my degree in social work. So I, I decided I want to go to college, put myself through school, got my degree in social work, psychology and sociology. So mm -hmm. all about the people. Yeah. And um, I started in that field working with youth, like young adults, 16 to 24 and running youth programming and building my teams in that environment and um, loved it absolutely loved it i loved the impact i loved I, I saw myself of course in a lot of those young people the opportunity to to serve them and love them well and set them on their way and then but what i really found over time as i developed as a leader what and, and first of all i was a horrible boss when i started because everyone told me i was a leader so I just thought, you're just a leader. Uh, just do I was the worst boss. The worst. <laughs> what, did, what, did that, what did a boss or a leader mean to you then? Oh, I, I had my, I think it was, it was the, it was, I had, I had my loyalties wrong, right? It was to serve, well, it was always to serve the youth. That wasn't the wrong loyalty. But then beyond that, I didn't think about what I needed to do to protect the culture of my team. Hmm. I had no idea. It was just assuming that if I just showed up and set the example and worked hard, that my team would just follow that and gotcha. they would know what to do because I did it. And that was wrong. <laughs> and so <laughs> I learned that the hard way. Um, and had a rough couple of years in the beginning. Uh, so I think it was like, definitely I was, it fell into that pace setting style of leadership, but not balancing it with, a, and visionary. I'm yeah. always good at, been always good at seeing the, seeing something big and casting a vision, but not doing the other stuff that's required to develop your team to make it happen. And just assuming because it was intuitive for me that it was intuitive for everybody else. Yeah, it's and we, uh, I don't wanna go through all the leadership styles because I think you did a great job on the Active Life podcast with Dr. Yeah. Sean of breaking that down. So I don't wanna get too redundant, but can you quickly hit on the pace setting since that you said that was one that oh, yeah. you did? So pace setting is when you um, are, you're, you're highly skilled and you know what you're doing as a leader, you understand the field you're in. And so then you just get out there and you work harder and faster than everybody else. And you set the pace and yeah. pace setting for your team and you just expect them to keep up. Yeah. And what often happens is when they don't, you get frustrated, you start getting resentful towards your team members that that are just standing there looking at you like why am i gonna even do this you're just gonna outwork me anyway yeah but you don't have the insight yet to realize you're the problem you're not helping <laughs> yeah uh it's funny i have kind of a different not different framework but building on that framework is we're going through the conscious leadership yeah. book right now the 15 commitments of conscious leadership and they talked about the drama triangle um, and the victim mentality mm -hmm. so basically in the drama triangle you have a victim a hero and a villain 
And I think a lot of people that are pace setters take the hero role. Oh, yes. And what they don't realize is that, yes, they're trying to sort of uplift and lead, but what they're doing is, is they're sort of keeping people in this triangle and keeping people in this victim yeah. mindset instead of empowering them to be able to uh, be a better version of themselves and for them to find their own way. Yes, yes. Um, cool. So do you, was there any like really specific turning points for you where you're leading in one style and like something happens, uh, either a conversation or employee feedback or some kind of influence you're like, oh wow, like that was like a completely new shift or maybe you've done, you've worked with actual outside development programs and that was shined a light on something that was happening. Do you think of any specific turning points for you? Oh yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> um, early in my career, so I started managing a team when I was about 23 and I was managing a bunch of people that were, I mean, people that could have been my parents at that point in time. And I um, was horrible. Like I said, my first couple of years, like I just did not know what I was doing. Well, I had this, I, I got super close to burnout. Like hmm. I probably was burned out. I would let my hair, my hair was falling out from stress. That's burnout. Yeah. I think we'll call it I burnout. I think we'll call that burnout. <laughs> um, and so You're I, your 20s and your, and hair's your hair's falling, falling out. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and it was not good. So I realized I can't do this anymore. It was that pace setting. It was the not letting things go. It was, um, the having toxic, uh, behaviors and team members and me not having the skills to have that hard conversation to end it um, and I really just realized like I cannot keep doing this this is gonna kill me I'm like 26 so but I love what I'm doing so something has to change mm. like I loved the mission I didn't love how I was doing it and I loved, I had a lot of good moments too, obviously I would have just walked away, um, but I loved working and building teams. And I was like, I gotta figure this out. And so I actually um, had a uh, coming to Jesus moment with a staff member and realized um, she had a, like, not physically, but verbally just ripped somebody apart to the point that it was just, she was done and I, let her go and that was a turning point for me of taking a hold of owning the culture in a way that i didn't know could happen and i was like i have to figure out how to build culture and that was it that was when i had when i dove headfirst into i have to figure out how to be a leader and uh not just because people told me i'm a leader and i have that strong personality that's not enough yeah. and that was the turning point of really figuring out um, what it means to build culture in an organization, to be the kind of leader that's worthy of following. Um, and I've studied it and with the, the lens and the framework of a social work psychology and, and social background um, ever since. I'm 42 now, so it's been a while. Yeah. One thing that you said that really caught my attention in there is that you had this strong love and passion for what you're doing, but it was also, there was this huge amount of burnout that was happening. And I think that's just so apparent in our, in the fitness industry Yes, is whether it's a gym owner or a coach, it's like you have this massive love and passion and then you have this underlying burnout throughout. So sticking with kind of the leadership principle, if you, if there's a gym owner out there that's 
feeling these feelings, how can they take responsibility for that and, and maybe start moving in the right direction? The first thing that they need to do, well, that's a big statement. Tell yeah. someone what they need to do. <laughs> one of the things they can do, okay. <laughs> one of the things that they can do to start moving in the right direction is have a, I don't think we're, we're introspective enough as humans in general, mm -hmm. um, especially depending on your wiring. Some of us like run away from introspection and looking at the hard parts of ourselves, the parts that are ugly. Um, so one of the first things to do is just to take an, an honest inventory of what honestly are my core values. Not what I put on paper, not yeah. my gym, not those core values. What are my core values? Who am I? Who do I want to be? And don't make a list of seven. I want you to come up with three. Three. Because when we try to do too much, it's just a spattering, right? When, it, when, mm -hmm. when everything's important, nothing's important. So it's really doing that work of drilling down to those two or three things that are your core values, your operating principles, your filter for life when you're making decisions. It becomes that filter that everything goes through and taking the time to do that. And all of us have a gap between the impact that we want to be having and the impact we actually are having. And the, we have a gap between how we want to live out our core principles and how we actually are. And I would challenge most people don't, act, could not tell you on the spot what their three operating like core principles are in their life. I don't think most people can do that. They might be able to tell you, these are my business's core principles. No, 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 no. What are yours? What are your core values? The things that you, that you are um, using as filters to make decisions in your own life, so. That's awesome, I love that. Um, how long do you think that process takes? Your whole life. <laughs> you have to start somewhere. Um, we're always changing, right? We're always developing, but it is, it is a, it takes honesty, it takes self-reflection, it takes, it isn't something that you're necessarily going to do in um, a 10 minute exercise, Yeah. right? It's not that. It, it's a process of uh, thinking about it, asking questions of people, doing um, different personality tests can be a start, can mm -hmm. help you start to be like, what is important to me? I love the Enneagram. I'm a huge fan of it. If you haven't taken the Enneagram test, it's very helpful. It's not gonna tell you these are your core values, but it's gonna help you start to understand yeah. yourself more. There's another couple exercises you can do to start thinking about what those things, what's really important to you. You can uh, set a timer for 10 minutes. Science tells us the best brainstorming happens in 10 minutes, uh, the first 10 minutes. You, and write down in 10 minutes, 27 things you want to experience before you die. And then- 27 exactly? 27. <laughs> And then after you have completed your list, and if that timer goes off and you have five things, um, put it down and come back another day. <laughs> so, and what you're gonna do then is group that list by theme, and it's going to help you to really see, oh my gosh, this is, I and mean, it's a mix, it's not just a professional list. That might not even, professional stuff might not even be on that list. Mm. But it's gonna be everything from professional things you wanna experience, personal things, things with your kids, things with your, your spouse, things with um, 
within your life, adventures you want to go on. And it's going to help you to really go, wow, these are the, the things that are important to me. How does that connect with what I think my values are? Is there yeah. alignment there? Yeah. I would imagine that a lot of people would struggle to sort of get that a well-rounded 27 not that necessarily the goal is to have a well-rounded 27 but they're they've looked at life for so long through a single lens of either family or work and career mm -hmm. and like it's going to be like stepping out of the matrix to be like oh wow i did have this uh like i wanted to go skydiving that i've never i haven't thought about in the last two years or something like that yeah. this trip they want to do and then you know they you know so is there is there ways to maybe help someone think about get out of that lens like questions they can ask of maybe like what's something i want to learn or where do i want to visit like do you have questions that they can kind of think about that would maybe help them find those 27. yeah i think about are there um i go heavy fast i have my clients are brave folks are there relationships that need mended are <laughs> are there um I mean, of course, the easy ones are travel and the fun stuff, yeah. but travel and, you know, mo milestones you want to experience. If you have children, milestones you want to experience with them, like they're, mm -hmm. they're graduating or whatever, those kinds of, of things. And then, um, but yeah, the big ones, like the, the heavier ones, like relationships that, that need mended, like, um, uh, what are what are things that I'm feeling shame about that I want to let go? Mm. Where going like hard and deep with yourself? Where are areas I need to ask for forgiveness? Where are areas I need to be uh, I need to forgive? Where are what kind of legacy do what do I want people to say about me when I die? You know, like how do I if you can reverse engineer it from that? They say yeah. someone isn't truly dead until the last time someone mentions their name right so how do i how do i want my name spoken in what context when i'm not here anymore mm -hmm. so awesome i love that so you said that's one thing someone could do <laughs> yes <laughs> maybe the one thing um, is there any other one thing that you would recommend or or maybe hey someone has some really good success with this exercise they're starting to get some self-awareness and mm -hmm. values how can that, how can they start to put this into action maybe? Excellent. Okay, so the next other thing that someone can do is pick a milestone date 10 years in the future from now. And when I say milestone date, it can be like for me in 10 years from now, my baby's gonna be graduating from high school, which is bananas. Um, so figuring out uh, at that graduation day, for my son, what do I want to be able to say about the life I'm leading? What kind of impact do I want to be having at that point? And actually writing out a paragraph and writing it like in real time. So for example, for myself, mm -hmm. so I say, when my son, you know, is graduating from high school on that day, I want to be, um, I want to be, have it as, awesome relationship with my husband and we want to um, we want to have you know a circle of close friends that we share life with and travel with and and continue to nurture that so it's still there in our lives it goes away if you don't take care of it yeah. and we want to um, 
I want to be employing a small group of people that are radicalizing the way that people uh, lead others. I want to be invited to speak on stages all over the world. So just mm, having this yeah. vision of what I want 10 years from now to look like on this milestone day. Also, what kind of relationship do I want to have with my kids? I want to have that open you know, relationship with my kids. I want them to know they can talk to me and that I transition well from being the parent of a child to the parent of an adult. Mm -hmm. So having that that out in front of me um, also is really formative in like building that self-awareness, slowing down. I mean, I'm not gonna wake up in that place in 10 years if I'm not intentional about it today. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So how does, what does this have to do with leadership? Ah, everything. <laughs> Um, what does that have to do with leadership? Well, if you are leading, leading anything out of alignment with those core values of who you are, you're going to burn out, right? That was a big part of my problem, taking it full circle, was I was not leading in a way that was in alignment with who I wanted to be, where I wanted to go, um, and I wasn't creating a culture that was fostering the kind of legacy that I wanted to, and not to make it all about myself, um, I wasn't, it wasn't the, not just legacy. I mean, I just wasn't fostering the kind of culture that my employees were going to wake up and feel inspired and yeah. engaged in every day. Like I wasn't creating that. People didn't want to come to work sometimes, a lot of times because it felt like hell to be there because mm -hmm. of interpersonal drama and to some toxicity in the workplace. And it wasn't over the, we had moments that were over the top, but for the most part, it was just an uninspiring average workplace. Yeah. And I knew I wanted more, but I didn't know how to get there. And that was a big piece of my hair falling out and also not delegating and trying to do everything by myself. Yeah, I love that because you can you could essentially be living a life that's really close to what you want to be doing. From the outside it looks like there's alignment, oh, but yeah. on the inside there isn't really alignment. And I think that happens a lot with gym ownership mm -hmm. where People are like, yeah, I want to be a gym owner. And that that's kind of where it starts and ends. So they're living that life, but there's they haven't really thought about what that means to them. Does that mean a certain amount of profit and freedom? Does that mean, mm -hmm. hey, I really love, I would love to create a team that's super invested and loves what they do and like hangs out after work and plays sports together, which is starts to be my dream. <laughs> um, so you know, we, when we look at a gym and I have people that I respect that are mentors in this industry, that they want to build a, a simple gym mm -hmm. that has low overhead, low cost, low moving parts and allows them a lot of freedom and allows them enough profit to be able to like live a certain lifestyle. Yeah. And I think that's a great goal if that's what your goal is. Absolutely. That's not what I want out of my gym. I'm, I started gym because I love teams. I love being a part of team. Yeah. I love creating teams. So for me, some element of alignment has to include that, yep. even though we're both gym owners. Yeah. Perfect example. So when it comes to leaders, how much of it do you feel like is you're born with? Like, I think in your story, your sounds like a certain element of it was you're born with it, but then you work with a lot of a diverse amount of leaders. Yeah. How much of it can be developed? Um, all of it has to be developed. <laughs> so <laughs> um, there is people that are born with stereotypical leadership traits, like, but it, you don't have to be charismatic and outgoing 
to be a good leader. In fact, I think there's a lot of leaders that get shoved into leadership positions because they're charismatic and outgoing, but don't have any skills in actually developing teams and getting to know people and setting up frameworks for accountability and clarity. And, and then, you know, their personality only takes them so far mm -hmm. and then the wheels start flying off, especially as the organization grows and the team grows. Um, there also can be tremendous leaders that are very introverted, very quiet. You don't necessarily even know they came in and out of the room. Um, and yet they have, their team has tremendous respect for them and they're running an amazing organization and having huge impact. And there are common threads in what creates a great leader that happens regardless of the personality, or that can be developed, I'm sorry, regardless of the pers innate personality traits we're born with. So are those, are those traits, the leadership traits, are those the same for everybody, or do you think they're different? So if, if someone's more extroverted, do they have to lean into XYZ traits, whereas someone who's more introverted has to lead in, lean into different types of traits, or are the traits the same for all leaders? That's a good question. You need to know where you, as an individual, and, and I don't want to limit it to extrovert, introvert, because there's so many dynamics right. to personality, right? <laughs> yeah, that was just one example. Yes. <laughs> so you need to know, you need to have the self-awareness, do the work. Uh, doing the work means, you know, have an evaluation done, be brave, ask hard questions, get uh, do personality stuff. Um, and you need to do that, and then you need to figure out where do I need to dial it up and dial it down in, in certain interactions or situations to have the impact I want to have. Mm. So for myself, I'm Captain Intensity, probably didn't notice. So um, I can be very intense and when I start talking about stuff I'm passionate about, it just goes up, <laughs> like right now. And so I have to be very cognizant that every when I'm running a team, working with my team, everything I say can sound like the most important thing because I'm just, dynamic that way, passionate that way, it can get me into big trouble because my team all of a sudden doesn't understand, doesn't know what my priorities right, now are. 10 priorities, yes. which means they have no priorities. <laughs> exactly. And so I've had to learn very, um, to be very intentional about dialing it down, dialing it up to communicate intensity and explicitly saying like, this is a priority. I want you to focus on this and, or saying, I'm just really excited about this. This is just an idea. Don't feel like you have to do extra or anything about this. We're just having a conversation right now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and saying it, not just hoping they get it through implied body language, like over, not, oh, there's no such thing as over communicating, communicating like explicitly what yeah. my expectations are. Yeah, I would imagine that that's a place that most leadership is falling, falling apart is in the communication. Oh, yes. Nine times out of 10, it's communication. We, our, our alignment is out. We're not engaging, inspiring, and, and motivating our people how we think we are. Mm -hmm. um, so people, other people judge our, our, in, our, they judge us on our behaviors, right? Yep. And we judge ourselves on our intentions. Mm. And so we think because we have the best of intentions that, um, and we know what we're saying and what we're trying to communicate and we're, we have good hearts. We want the best for our people, 
we expect often falsely that that's going to be received when our behaviors are out of alignment with that reality and that impact but we don't even know it um, because we've all got blind spots all of us have parts of our personality and we all work with different people differently so one person may really receive what i'm having to say because they just click better with there's that chemistry there where i may have another super valuable employee who's wired differently than me and i'm completely overwhelming to them and i have to um and and they're awesome they're a valuable team member it's my issue it's my need to figure out what's the communication pattern that's going to work for them um, and give them what they need to have that that communication happen how I don't know if you I don't know how you would break this down I'm kind of thinking about it like a percentage <laughs> basis but how much should a leader sort of stay true to themselves and how much should they be that chameleon that they're sort of adapting themselves to the people around them if you have a handle on your own core values and you're operating from that place and you're operating from a place of authenticity and you're being true to who you are and you're you're having integrity in who you um, and who you want to be that if if they trust you that goes so far so far um, you want to be you don't want to people don't no one likes bullshit right no yeah. one likes inauthenticity um, and so it's not acting it's not pretending you're somebody else but it's it's being aware of um, here's an example I'll give you an example concrete example okay great story one of someone who I have come in and, and work with my clients on she's an Enneagram coach I've worked with her she's worked with me she's wonderful um, she tells this story that she is a five, which is on the Enneagram, which is a, a researching type personality. They tend to be more reserved. They tend to like facts, figures. Mm -hmm. And um, her boss at one point was an eight, which is the challenger, which is me. <laughs> um, intensity and, and we like our energy to be matched or we mm. feel like people aren't listening to us. Had to get over that. <laughs> um, and so, because people don't generally match my energy. So, um, but she tells the story how she got a performance review from her boss at one point. And they do, she does crisis intervention work on a college campus. So she's coming in to deal with like suicides, death on campuses, people there's heavy, heavy yeah. stuff. And she was, um, Got this review and it said her boss said she just didn't feel that when she came in to discuss a crisis that that my coach my enneagram coach was responding in a way that was showing that she uh had took the level of seriousness right mm. and so because she's looking for that energy match yes yes and so my wise enneagram coach she I was like, okay, well, uh, she's an eight. What do I need to do to, how can I change this? So she was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change just a little thing. This wasn't inauthentic. She would, but what happened was, cause she would come in, the boss would come in and say, there's been a suicide or there's suicide watching. She would calmly listen before and just sit and like take notes on the computer and be like, okay, that yeah. was her response. All she did was this one thing. She, her boss would come in 
share the news, the situation they had to deal with, and she would stop what she was doing, stand up, look her in the eye, and say, okay, I've got this. I, I understand it's a big deal. I've got it. It's priority one for me. I've got it. We, I will bring you the, the outline for the approach. Only thing she changed, next performance evaluation, marks were through the roof. Her boss was like, I don't understand exactly what shifted in her, but she's taking it much more. Uh, the, the response is much more. She just basically felt like she cared more. Yeah. She didn't care more. She cared the same. She just so that she better. just communicated, communicated it to in, her in the version that best was shown to that other person. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's really cool. Yeah, because I could, I definitely could see that that fine line of wanting to adapt your style to the person around you be, becomes insincere and authentic. Yeah. Yeah. It. It can be, it can, especially as you're like, it's going to be clunky when you're learning and you are going to have moments where you're like, well, I blew that. Like it takes practice. We all have to, to figure it out. Um, but it's worth the investment and the risk and the mo and just be honest with your staff. Just be like, Hey, I realize I usually commute. I've usually communicated in the way I like to be communicated with. I'm trying to figure out a better way to meet each of you and your communication styles. So if I seem weird for the next month as I'm working on this, it's me, it's not you. I'm just having some challenges right now and uh, and trying on this, this uh, expanding my ability to communicate. Um, and so if you're ever feeling unsure or think I'm being weird, let me know, I'm working on it. Yeah, that's great. Who are your favorite leaders in today's world, or it could be any, I guess anybody in history, if there's resources oh, you have, but are there any that you, you really like to learn from that you like others to be able to learn from as well? Yes, of course. We all got a list, right? Um, I love Brene Brown. I know I've said her before. She's phenomenal. She's got an MSW. She's a researcher. I'm sure you've heard her name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So check anything she's written, but Dare to Lead is a great book. Um, she's got a podcast. She's wonderful, wonderful resource. Um, and I also really like Adam Grant. He's an organizational psychologist. He just has, he's got a lot of great books out. He just wrote Think Again. I'm yeah. read, I just finished that one on the plane. Actually, he was sharing on a couple podcasts, some stuff from Originals. Yeah, was yeah. his book, so. And he critiques himself uh, yeah. from Originals in Think Again. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Because <laughs> um, he's thinking again. <laughs> so it's, um, he's, he's great. I just love how he communicates and breaks things down um, and forces, uh, not forces, but invites you to look at things from a different perspective, um, really value his, his writings. Um, and then I also, I draw a lot of inspiration and leadership from like people in my real life, everyday life. I mean, it's going to sound really cheesy, but it's very true. My clients are hugely inspiring to me and I'm working with people that are running multi-million dollar companies and are humble enough to say, I need help leading. Yeah. And I put them through it. Like we go through hard stuff. You see some of the questions and the things that I ask them to do and the level of vulnerability I require. If you're going to step forward with me in this process, I'm going to help you learn how to create um, the culture that you need to be creating for a leadership team. Because at that point, they've got a team of leaders that are leading other people, but they have to be setting it from the top. 
And so we do a lot of work. We start with a 360 evaluation where they are being evaluated on their 22 core leadership skills, their emotional intelligence, and then four open-ended questions that are intense um, by the people that work with them, if they've got anybody lateral, mentors in their own lives, and then their team. And they get to get the, it's awesome tool, they get a breakdown of, of the information. It's 100% anonymous for everybody who answers, so people are very honest, and it's a gut punch. You get some great stuff, and then there's also the moments of like, I kind of knew that, <laughs> but I really didn't like reading it. Like, it hurts. <laughs> so. I can imagine. <laughs> yes, yeah, you definitely, it's definitely an ego check, right? For sure. And so then, um, we, I mean, we start there. And so they have this, this, they've casted this vision of this is how I want to be leading, motivating, inspiring my people. We do work with that. And we've taken inventories of like their leadership styles. Where do they lean? We do a personality test and then a couple other things. And then at the end, they get that, they get that um, assessment back and they see where the gap is. And then, um, I mean, that's like the first four weeks together. <laughs> so, wow. um, and then from, it's intense. It's, intense. <laughs> it's called an intensive for a reason uh, when I do the group model, but we do, yeah, it's there, they go through that. And then from there, that is when we then step into when I'm doing one-to-one, -one, like, okay, now we're gonna have your, you know, I'm gonna make some recommendations for where you're going to have just a couple of changes because if you try to do everything it's nothing so mm -hmm. we get really focused that's going to have the most impact and so for you it's going to be different than for me than first so it's definitely not just a templated do this model yeah, yeah we have one of our coaches that's about to yes. embark on that with you i'm sure tony and i will be doing it with you at some point in the future as well <laughs> um so yeah i want to wrap up there i think that was a great uh great just whole leadership podcast. So is there anything else that you want to add or ways that people can reach out? Oh, well, thank you for having me. And if people want to find me, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook. And Lacey is L-A-Y-C-I Nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N. And there's like two of me on, or two other Lacey's spelled that way. <laughs> so I'm pretty easy to find, but you can find me on um, Instagram, Lacey underscore Nelson, and then Lacey Nelson on Facebook. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Lacey. This was awesome. I took a bunch of notes and I'm excited to dive back into some of these exercises. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, let me know how it goes.